Perfect. Okay, good. Okay, so we'll just get started and into this, and uh, I'll let you go with it. Okay, okay, so tell us about your musical background and when you started playing piano. Uh, actually, I was five years old in grammar school, and that's when my uh, grammar school teacher spotted it. Actually, she would bring like a cardboard with piano keys painted on it and sit it down in front of a kid e each day and just kind of watch and see how that child would act. And so when she put it in front of me, only thing I knew was just to whatever she was doing on the piano, I was trying to follow what she was doing. So I'd do the left hand, what she'd do left, right, if her hand split and went the other way and then they came back together. So I was just doing everything she uh, was doing. And from that, she was able to tell I had a talent. So she called my mama and said, hey, you got to start this boy in music. And it's just, it's just incredible. All of these years, uh, that's where my, my beginnings stem from. I've not done anything else but music. I mean, I tried to do um, like some stuff in college. You know, of course, you, my mom was kept telling me you need to take some other subject matter just in case the music didn't work out. But I actually uh, took accounting and it just didn't work. And so first day on the job is just not... <laughs> Uh, not the place for me. But anyway, that's that was my beginnings, Jeff. Oh, that's wonderful. So God-given talent for sure. Um, mm -hmm. What were some of the bands you were in uh, way back, and uh, what led you to joining Santana? Well, actually, um, I had a group called Leon's Creation, and <clears throat> uh, actually we have just, believe it or not, been signed to a record label in Europe called Acid Jazz and they have put out that album that we did back in the day. And uh, it's just so funny, 50 years later, uh, we're like just getting it discovered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just the funniest thing. But anyway, um, so we were actually in Los Angeles um, working with um, various people. Kind of uh, when you have a band like that, everybody's kind of scrambling to try to find uh, some real money because we'd have like a couple of gigs here and there, but it wasn't enough to pay bills. So uh, I was doing a lot of studio work, and um, I had a producer that was uh, using me a lot to do things for the Pointer Sisters, for um, Funkadelic, for uh, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, like that. And so actually Martha really liked what I was doing, and so she actually hired me to be her um, conductor for the orchestra. So I used to write out uh, all the music for the orchestra and travel with her around the country for a season. Uh, but, yeah, that's where the, the beginning started. And then um, while I was in L.A., uh, my manager called me in the office. He said, hey, I got a call today from uh, Carlos Santana. I said, get out of here. <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, come on. He said he wants you to uh, go up to San Francisco and record an album with it. I said, wow, that's, <laughs> that's really something. I'm from San Francisco. I had to go all the way to L.A. to get discovered. <laughs> so, uh, you know. So I, actually, I go back to Frisco, and actually, he lived in Mill Valley at the time. And so I went to his house, and um, he just loved my singing and, and didn't know I could play piano. So when I sat down to play piano while I was singing, she said, oh, wow, that's really cool. So we started doing all the songs, you know, Black Magic Woman and Oye Como Va, and yeah. Gotta Change People's Ways. And right away, he just told me, okay, we're getting ready. We're going to go on this tour in about uh, two months, and we're going to go here and there. And I was like, serious? You want me to be the lead vocalist for this group? Yep. And so that's how uh, the beginning stages of, uh, of joining Santana started. Wow. Wow. Just awesome. Um, how did you become a Christian? 
Well, while I was up in San Francisco uh, rehearsing with Carlos, um, I met a girl in uh, over in the Hayden Ashbury district, and her brother was a Christian. So every time I would come to the house to see her, uh, of course he would just uh, seem like he was the butler because he was always at the door. Man, it's just like I come at the door and he, hey, how you doing, Leon? Um, and he started telling me something about the Lord, you know. And I was like, man, I got to get this guy off my back because it's gonna mess up my reputation <laughs> you know so what i finally did is i went to a bible study with him i figured if i'd go to his bible study i could learn some scripture then when i came over to the house that's all i have to do is he and i could talk some scripture and then i could go see a sister <clears throat> but uh it didn't work i i got to uh this bible study and it really was intriguing i just uh had never heard um anything about a personal relationship with the lord i i had been religious and i had been in church a lot but i hadn't uh, thought about even a, a personal relationship like what they were talking about at the Bible study. So we got back to his driveway and uh, he asked me uh, how to like the meeting. I said, it was fabulous. I said, let's go in the house. He said, wait. I said, what? He said, well, how would you like to get saved? I was like, what? Like right here in the car? <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> and so he reached for my hand and um, that was kind of funny too. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I just Never held a guy's hand. Yeah. But anyway, so we, we, we were there, and this top is down in my little Mercedes. It's 4th of July, mm-hmm. Jeff, and the firecrackers going off. Kids are looking in the car, figuring out what we're doing, you know, got our heads bowed. And and uh, next thing I know, I asked Christ into my life right mm-hmm. there. And so uh, that was the beginning stage. And, of course, when I went back to the Santana group, I was lit up, man. I was, yeah. I was trying to get everybody saved. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and eventually I was able to make some connections there. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that was the beginning stage of my salvation. Yeah. What did Carlos think? Personally, I know he's religious, but I don't know yeah. his experience well, with the Lord. He, he, he thought it was really cool to have someone around to talk, uh, you know, spiritual things mm-hmm. with. And, um, nice guy, man. Got the greatest heart you yeah. could ever have. Uh, for somebody in his uh, on his level, yeah. um, but anyway, he we were playing tennis one time because uh, we both uh, eventually moved to Santa Cruz area, and I was in um, I was just like maybe 15 minutes away from him, and so I'd go to his house and we'd play tennis and stuff. And one day I just asked him, you know, um, and, and about you know his relationship with the Lord and if there was any kind of uh, interest there, and I told him what happened to me. And that I got saved and I got baptized. And he said, well, I want to do that. I said, really? <laughs> and so I called my uh, pastor friend um, that was uh, running the Assembly of God Church there. And uh, he uh, said, yeah, man, I'd love to baptize Carlos. I said, cool. I said, can we, can we do it Sunday? He said, yeah, I'll take time. <laughs> so uh, his guy's name was uh, Pastor Bob Padgett. And uh, so we actually, um, you know, brought Carlos in on that Sunday and, and uh, he received Christ as personal Savior. So, I, you know, I just believe that there's, you know, any of us, I don't care at what level, God always has a plan. Mm-hmm. And he can all get to us uh, some some way, you know, sometimes through a friend, sometimes through a TV program or whatever it is. But uh, anyway, I just really, I was really happy to be used by the Lord for that. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah. Because I've always felt he had uh, a, a closeness to God. And it was yeah. always wondering was his personal experience. That's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Um, how did becoming a Christian obviously affect your music? I know a lot of Christian artists, when they were in secular music, suddenly they've 
they're changed and their whole music direction or the lyrics change how did that change for you well actually um a lot of the songs that i had written prior to that were uh, believe it or not bible based because mm -hmm. my mama was baptist my daddy was methodist and when they didn't feel like going to church they'd send me down to the local catholic church mm -hmm. well i had a real uh what i would call an overview of different denominations and um so a lot of those bible verses from my time in the church uh, really stuck with me and a lot of the songs that i wrote before i really made a, a personal commitment um were based on scripture and so, uh, and a friend of mine tells me that one of the guys, uh, Jimmy Calhoun, that's in the uh, in the uh, creation group, uh, he he tells me right now because he also came to the Lord uh, right after I did, and uh, he he's played with Jimi Hendrix and Buddy uh, Miles and all these people, just a great great bass uh, player. But he told me, he said, "Man, Leon, you've always carried this that spirit of God in you." He said, even before you got saved, he said there was always something there, and um, so what happened to me was that from the commitment, the personal commitment I made, it deepened, uh, of course, my my lyrical content because now I'm really talking out of my heart mm. and not just out of my religious experience. And um, so it really changed in that way. And uh, I started writing about things that I thought um, people needed kind of some hope in. Uh, we did a Baptist college uh, some years back. It was up in... Um, Bolivar, uh, Missouri, and so it, the, the school was up there, college up there, and so it was a really wonderful experience. Wow, man, big Baptist mm -hmm. uh, college up there. And so when I got ready to leave, uh, uh, what I decided to do was to invite a few people backstage, and we'd pray and, and have some time together like that. And, and I just asked the kids, all the ones that were coming backstage, not only about maybe what they wanted to pray about, but I just asked them how, did, how they enjoyed school and and stuff like that, and they all had nothing but just, I, I don't think I can do it, <clears throat> kind of vibe, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't think I can really make this happen. <clears throat> I said, what do you mean by that? They mm -hmm. said, well, I'm trying to um, go the route that my mom and dad are asking me to go, and I don't really feel like I can accomplish what they're asking. Mm -hmm. I said, so you really feel like this is, you're feeling pressured to be here? Said, yeah, I feel pressured to be here. So all of them had the same thing. They had no goals, they had no a desire to really uh, do anything with their lives, most of the ones I talked to. So I left there with that burden on my heart, and um, I wrote a song called The Sky is the Limit, mm -hmm. um, just because of that experience. And that actually became one of the biggest uh, songs and the biggest album of its time. And I really believe it was because I had that time with those kids, and it really gave me kind of an insight to uh, what they needed, what was what was missing. And uh, so, anyway, that's how my songs now are uh, put together. I really try to find a need out there and try to find a way to fill it. And um, I really feel musically that when I show up somewhere to sing and people are going through various uh, kind of situations in their life, I really feel the songs address those situations and, and give them kind of a bridge uh, to the Lord. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> good thing we have that one in the library. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. We've got it. Okay, your first album was instantly very popular, as I remember. Very catchy, cool music. Uh, tell yeah. us about your songwriting, and what were you trying for musically back then? Well, actually, I didn't have a band at the time. Mm. 
so um, Maranatha Music had just opened up, and they had a really beautiful studio, but I couldn't get in there during the day. I was There were other people in there, you know, uh, paying customers yeah. <laughs> were there during the day, so yeah. I got I got kind of the leftover hours, which were started at midnight and went till late in the morning, mm. and that was like really a killer for me for months and months. But I actually, because I had kind of fooled around with all the instruments uh, growing up, uh, I decided I would do that album uh, playing all the instruments, mm. and so that's what I did. So I did the drums and the bass and the guitar and piano and mm. and such, and wrote out all the charts uh, for the horns and strings. And so that album was um, developed out of that. Uh, sort of mode, but uh, at the same time, I, you know, I don't really have a. I guess if I, if I had a formula to pass on, it would just be that a lot of times I read scripture, and out of that scripture reading, songs will come. Hmm. It's almost like uh, when somebody decided to do the Living Bible or the NIV or any version that had more regular words instead of these thousand were forced. So that's what happens to me. I read scripture. And then out of that scripture reading, and it's funny because sometimes these songs will come in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll get a melody, and uh, I'll have to get up and, and write it because if I, if I don't, it'll be like manna. <laughs> Just the next morning, I can't remember what that song was that God gave me in the middle of the night. So anyway, so that's where uh, the base for my songwriting comes is from scripture. That's great. Uh, you had a lot of us dancing up here in Vancouver for sure. I remember Maranatha uh, nights. <laughs> we were going in the aisles. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there a lot of pressure on you uh, from Christians who found out you're well-known, you're well-known rock personality, mm-hmm. and you enter the Christian music field? People tend to, you know, expect a lot from our newfound Christian artists to carry the flag for us. What kind of pressure yeah. did you feel? Well, you know, one thing about me is that I had no idea of what I was even doing. I mean, I... I didn't even have a clue. I, I when I left Santana, um, the first one to get a hold of me was uh, Pastor Chuck Smith from the Calvary Chapel that started the uh, Calvary Chapel churches, and um, he just kind of took me under his wing. That's where I was ordained and uh, and everything. Him and John Wimber uh, were kind of in the beginning stages of my life, and so and then I actually traveled with uh, Dr. Billy Graham for a season as well. But these, those three really helped to kind of give me some insights as to um, what I should wear, uh, the kind of language I should use, you know, like that. Because I, I asked all three, I said, how should I dress? Because you guys have, you got all these flower shirts on, you got shorts, some of you have jeans. And I said, am I supposed to, is that Christian to <laughs> have a flower shirt on? And, you know, so I just wanted to blend in. I, wanted, I didn't want to be kind of, they just kept, they, but they all told me the same thing. Leon, be you. Just whatever it is that, that your culture dictates, whatever it is, the, the way that you speak, I'll just bring you to the table. And he said, you'll be most comfortable if you do that. And so that's, um, and Pastor Chuck Smith didn't even like dancing, and but he let me do the first album called Dance Children Dance. <laughs> so they just really, you know, they said, you guys, um, whenever you go out to do music across the world, you know, that's what people are going to taste is that, that, that realness of who you are, not trying to copy us or try to be like us. So uh, that really helped me a lot. So that was really the, the beginning stages of uh, my uh, Christian experience and uh, trying to stay relevant and not, uh, I didn't have to worry about other people because it really wasn't uh, for them 
more or less to guide me. I was really I had some uh, some mentors, and uh, they really guided me in the way they thought I should go. Hmm. And what experiences did you have performing for audiences who would come to your concerts and knowing you were with Santana and uh, now on your own with uh, your solo career, where there there were mixed audiences for sure. I know up here there were because that was the selling point. If there's a selling point coming here, the former lead singer from Santana. So you're going to have those fans there. What were the audiences like? Well, you know, one of the slogans that... um, I would try to put into publicity if they did any sort of news articles or any of that is uh, even though they would say Leon Patillo from Santana, lead vocals from Santana, I would always have them put, but he went from Santana to Hosanna. <laughs> and so what happens is that it gives them kind of a question mark as to what does that mean? <laughs> and so when they come to the concert, you know, I would do songs that were, uh, familiar, but I'd also segue into my Christian music, which uh, kind of gave them an idea of uh, that transition. So really, it, it didn't, again, uh, I never had anybody throwing tomatoes or whatever, <laughs> and people never walked out. They just wanted to experience uh, this new, at the time, was contemporary Christian music, and it was a kind of a new sort of uh, flavor. And uh, so I think they stuck around for that. And then they have the one-man show, too, to have all those instruments on stage, all the computers and uh, keyboards and such. Folks hadn't seen that before, and it was kind of a new uh, presentation at its time. And uh, so I think a lot of curiosity was involved with them coming to the concert. They liked, of course, they liked the vocals from the Santana days, but um, they also uh, got a chance to enjoy something spiritual, which uh, at the end of the concert, I could tell a lot of them really wanted it because they were they flooded the altar or flooded the front of the uh, auditorium when I gave an altar call. So, uh, yeah, it was it was just the coolest thing, man, to see them also transition uh, at the at the concerts. Mm-hmm. Now I know how Chuck Smith and the Maranatha were with you. Uh, you went to other labels later. Uh, did they have a lot of say in what you did, or did they just say you've done it, keep doing it? Uh, yeah, more or less. I, of course, you know, the bigger the label, the more uh, people you have to appeal to. But it seemed like uh, with most of the uh, labels I've been with, I've always had great communication with uh, the CEO or the president of the label. And uh, usually that's the one I was trying to appeal to the most, uh, most of my career. And uh, it just worked out great that uh, Stan Moser was actually the uh, vice president of Word, and so that's where I ended up doing the majority or the bulk of my Christian music was with uh, with Word Records. Mm-hmm. And um, he just kept telling me, he said, well, we're selling a thousand albums a week. I said, really? I said, is that good? <laughs> he said, oh, man, he said, that's fantastic. <laughs> he said, all the people that were naysayers and saying, you know, this, that, and the other and, uh, about me and, you know, coming from the secular and how's he going to uh, you know, be able to do music in the gospel in a, in a realm, and uh, he just said, "Well, I'm just I'm showing them that we're selling a lot of records <laughs> with you." Yeah. So I never really got bothered too much uh, with them. I think they they knew I had kind of a um, a pulse uh, for out there mm-hmm. for what was going on. So they just uh, most of them just left me alone. They made make a few suggestions here and yeah. there, maybe yeah. about an album cover mm-hmm. or something. Because the first album I did, Dance Through the Dance. It was, I had, uh, you know, nothing but 
all the angels and God and everything on the front, and I had myself on the back in a little small picture. And uh, so they said, well, for marketing, that doesn't work well. <laughs> I said, are we supposed to put Christ first? And, you know, so they said, yeah, you, you, you must put Christ, but not on the album. Of <laughs> 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 the albums, you need to put your face on the front. Yeah. So then from then on, after Dance Your Dance, you can see I had, you know, yeah. my, the whole album filled with my face. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was just a, a marketing tool. So people yeah. would know that when they're flipping through what, what, uh, what to get. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I think we touched on it earlier that about your, uh, I've had a question. I understand you caused quite a stir at the Santana concerts because people were becoming Christians when they talked with you after. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. The groupies would come yeah. behind and get saved. <laughs> yeah, it was cool, man. We had uh, we did a tour with uh, us and Earth, Wind & Fire went to Europe one year. And, uh, you know, Philip Bailey and I and a few of the guys in the group became good friends. And, in fact, Philip and I would walk around and look at cathedrals because there was so many beautiful cathedrals right downtown in most of these um, European uh, cities we'd go to because the city was built around the churches in those days. And uh, so it's just really awesome. Some of them didn't even have names of the, the builders. You know, some places you go now, they got the builder's name somewhere. But these people really wanted to just give uh, benevolently to the, the work of this uh, cathedral or, or, or church. And so uh, we were just amazed at that. And so I kind of, from that, I was able to kind of steer him toward, um, you know, maybe having some Bible studies like that and maybe get together with the guys. And it really wasn't my suggestion. Actually, Philip was hmm. the one that asked me if he if I could teach uh, he and a few of the guys out of the Bible. Hmm. And so uh, that's what I do after the concerts. We go back to my suite and we just uh, read the Bible and uh so three of them, um, you know, got saved on that trip. So it was good. <laughs> Praise God. That's awesome. Yeah. And then yeah. we came back to Hollywood and lit them up, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> we did a concert on the strip, yeah. uh, a place called Roxy, and everybody came. Oh, Donna Summer and uh, Smokey Robinson and, you know, all these mm-hmm. people just flooded this place. And, uh, again, we had a pastor at the end of our presentation just give a straight up altar call mm. and so people right in the club they put their drinks down put the cigarettes out and they stand up and get saved wow praise <laughs> god yeah awesome. so it was really just a, during that season it was just really wonderful to see you know how we could reach out to our uh you know some of the people that we hung out with and and uh show them the goodness of christ yes and uh, and discos you uh, were big around that time as well yeah donna summer and and such um yeah did that influence your music a bit i guess obviously everybody had to have a disco song or two even the rolling stone had a disco song yeah i think that anything that's got to do with uh from those era that era was really had to do with a little bit of disco but Mm. i tried to curve mine a little bit i uh, didn't want to kind of straight up Mm. do disco but i did have you know like a couple little disco parts uh, in some songs, and and now um, there's people that are out doing DJ type music, and to me it sounds just like disco music. Yeah, it does. <laughs> they got that yeah. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> that you know, that's going through <laughs> all the song is the same thing like we had in disco days. So it's just uh, more refined now. But um, anyway, that that's I think that's that uh, particular era is still invading today. Mm-hmm. You touched on this earlier about the recording process and the, the album Sky is the Limit. 
Um, CCM Magazine quoted it as a very strong musically and lyrically, and it was one of the top ten albums, 1985. Do you remember that? Uh, dance, children, dance. Yeah, uh, it was sky is, the sky is falling. Oh, sky, sky is the limit. You mean? Sorry, I, you know what is sky is the limit? I I just said the sky is falling. I'm thinking of another song. I even my yeah, my yeah. <laughs> cut this out, Mister yeah. Bill. Let me start that over again. Cut that whole thing <laughs> out because it actually says sky is the limit on here. So, okay. <laughs> see, okay, starting on take two. Uh, CCM Magazine quoted that it was a strong uh, album, The Sky is the Limit, um, both musically and lyrically, and is one of the top ten albums of 1985. Uh, were you aware of that? Yeah, that's, uh, that was the one. Um, we had two that really went well, but that was the first one mm-hmm. to what I would call do a breakout. And again, it was very uh, Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. You could do it. You could make it. <laughs> you could. It happen. <laughs> you know, don't give up. Yeah. <laughs> so it really had all of that uh, vibe uh, to it. But at the time, it was new. That was kind mm-hmm. of a new way of uh, doing gospel music was to encourage people. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said about the um, college, it was just. Something that I really felt was needed, uh, so that people could get up and get going. Cause uh, we we just have this tendency that uh, we just think God is going to handle it all, and we don't need to be uh, motivated to do anything. And I think uh, at least I heard that from that college. And I just want to stir it up a bit and let people know that you know if you did go after a job, if you did go after uh, trying to reach a certain level in your career like that, there's God is going to walk right beside you. In fact, he's the one opening up those doors uh, to make it happen. And so uh, I just wanted them from this album's perspective to just know that uh, life is what you make it. And uh, the sky is truly the limit. And so a lot of those songs on there uh, represent just giving uh, kind of like a boost uh, to the Christian heart and the Christian body. Amen. So the following year, 1986, uh this surprises me having had such a successful album. Uh, 1986, mm. you had a drastic career change and you became mm. a stand up comic of sorts, recorded an yeah. album of comedy. Uh, what yeah. led to that experience? And I, I don't recall seeing you that year. Did you combine the two in one night? Was your concert half comedy and half music, or did you just go right to comedy for a while? Well, actually, what was happening was uh, at the end of the concert, I would always um, bring some sort of motivational message. And again, it was ahead of its time uh, because it was really, uh, you know, like uh, T.D. Jakes or something like that had that kind of vibe to it. And uh, But within the teaching, I would always take a story from the Bible and I would just make it funny. And so uh, that's what happened. And so what we decided to do with just every city that I go to, I do like a different story. And so my engineer would record it. And so we took all the all the places we had uh, gone and we compiled that all on one album. And so that's what ended up happening. Uh, that's where a funny thing happened. Uh, album came from was uh, from all those concerts I was doing. And uh, at the end, I would always give an altar call as well, but uh, I would always try to make the, the uh, talking part of the motivational speech have a little bit of a comedy in it. So I never really did a stand-up, but it was really like that moment in the concert that just got captured over and over. 
um, different stories that would tell. So that's a compilation of uh, all those stories. That's great. We have that album as well. So we uh, play. Oh, good. We have it a, a comedy hour on the weekend, and we play oh, yeah. play quite a bit of you on that as well. <laughs> In wow. fact, I, if I'm not wrong, we play. We had that album before. We had your. We have two other of your albums: "Dance Children Dance" and "The Sky Is the Limit." Uh, those are the three wow. albums. We had to get more, but uh, we had that yeah. one before we had your music. <laughs> So, oh my goodness! Yeah. Isn't that something? yeah? Wow. So you played with Santana. Did you ever have a band with you other as well in your uh, CCM career? Did you travel with a band or play, or it was always uh, solo with the drums and machine and stuff? Uh, I did have a uh, a band at one point. I, I wanted to try something even weirder than just me being on stage with all these computers and keyboards. And so uh, I came up with the bright idea of having an all-girl band. Oh. And it was really something, boy. <laughs> I, I tell you, I, these, I took three days to, uh, and they were coming in every 15 minutes to audition. And all of them, I mean, they had, and this was in L.A., they had some fabulous players, man. I couldn't believe these girls could... Uh, could really knock it out the box. I just was like, wow. So I picked uh, four, and um, and we rehearsed. I had a house in Santa Cruz at the time, and so I just cleared out. It was a big uh, octagon-shaped house, uh, and so I could we could set up everything in there. So I just moved all the furniture around. I set the band up in there. We practiced for like six weeks, and then I took them on tour. We went to um, we went to all the colleges uh, stateside. Um, came up to Canada, did some things there, and then we went to uh, Australia. And boy, did they love it in Australia. Wow. It was just, I think it went over better in Australia than it did here in the States because anything like Australia or Europe or uh, even you guys uh, up there, I think you're, it's something about how you enjoy music that has um, some uniqueness about it. And so uh, this was really a unique group, but it just didn't last. Uh, you know, girls it, after a while just people didn't think it was really appropriate. So those girls broke off, and some went with Prince, and mm. uh, a few uh, did like some girl band type things. Mm -hmm. But again, it was ahead of his time. Mm -hmm. if, if I had it right now, it would be no big thing. <laughs> but, right. but at the time, I think it might have been too cutting edge yeah. for some of those real. Uh, uh, denominational churches that didn't like that sort of vibe so anyway but uh it was it was fun for a year yeah it would go over well now i think i think it would yeah yeah <laughs> I, I do remember uh when you did have your uh i always call it the econo band but that's brian duncan's uh line but similar yeah. it had me it had me looking around for the drummer and the guitar player so it sounded it sounded great <laughs> when you were solo as well i, I was going where's where's the band but oh it sounds good uh, <laughs> it's oh, good but you band. you programmed it all so you were playing it all anyway so that's yeah, great exactly. great stuff um mm -hmm. let's see here do you want okay? Do you want to talk a little about about your challenges of being in the ministry full time and how it affects your life and family? Is there, was there um, any toll it takes on? I know it takes a lot to be out on the road and away from people. Um, what was that like for you? Well, if I was going to be straight up honest, um, you know, it's it's a great thing when you can take family with you uh, on these uh, sort of uh, outreaches or outings or especially if you're going to be gone for a long period of time. Um, this may not work for everybody, but it just seemed like that seemed to work best for me uh, because anytime uh, there's long gaps 
it just causes all the things that you're trying to enjoy about why you had children and why you have a wife or a husband. It just it kind of pushes all that to the side, and the out there seems to be more important. And sometimes we can really get it, you know, twisted that, you know, out there is where God wants us to be, and that's more important than the family. But if the family unit is uh, falling apart or having issues or having problems, um, you know, it's not a good thing. So uh, if, if I had to do it all over again, I think I would probably have more time at home and I'd have probably have more time uh, with them out on the road with me. But, you know, when kids have to go to school and um, that sort of thing, it does kind of put a damper on them traveling. I mean, again, nowadays you could probably have, you know, homeschooling. You know, that was not an option in those days in the 80s. So um, that's just something that has really probably helped to help families to have a little bit more mm -hmm. time their why they had children but uh for me that was really a uh you know you can probably hear the stress of that time was just because you really didn't know what to do you know, everybody was telling you, you got to do this for the lord you got to go out for the lord you got to people need to be saved you got to go out for the lord sacrifice and so that yeah. a mantra mm -hmm. and so you get your family it's like your family they they come in second yeah you know they, and so, uh, but I think that it's, I don't think that's what the Lord meant in that way. I think in, um, you know, when you go out and you do have to do some things for him, uh, it's not to be, to turn it and make it a detriment to your family. So um, anyway, but that's, that was my experience. And if, like I said, if I had to do it today, it would be a homeschooling situation. Everybody would be coming with me. Yes, and, and you'd <laughs> so, teach them to play guitar yeah. or something. They'd be in the band. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Here. Uh, play the tambourine. Yeah, you got <laughs> it. Whatever it takes. That's right. <laughs> Roadie. Um, right. 1993, you had a TV show on Trinity Broadcasting Network. I'm going to have to look it up on YouTube. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Um, yeah. What was that like for you? And tell us a little bit about it and maybe some of the guests on your shows. Well, we had, um, again, a Bible study. You know, this is stemmed from me and Philip and that uh, whole thing we did at the Roxy. Um, we didn't have any follow-up. It's like people got saved at the club. Now what? And so Donna Summer opened up her studios, and uh, we were able to have Bible studies there. And then I finally uh, had House in Bel Air, and so I did the same thing. I just decided, hmm. okay, we have Bible studies on Thursday night. Uh, it's a good night. You know, people are not on the road. They usually don't go out until the weekend. And so uh, we'd have Bible studies there, and it just all the stars, you know, from uh, Hollywood would come. And um, so uh, I went and did one show with a lady named Candy State um, there at TBN. And the producer was asking me about my life and what I was doing and, and such. And I told him, I said, well, one of these days, I might want to have a program here on TV. And they said, really? So what kind of uh, program would you have? I said, well, uh, I have a lot of friends. Uh, we have Bible studies together. And maybe some of them might want to come on and sing and give their testimony. And he said, what kind of friends? I said, well, like Stevie Wonder, mm. uh, Orgy Robinson, mm -hmm. <laughs> Philip, you know, I was naming them off, you know. Yeah. And uh, he said, man, if you could get those people to come to TVN to, do, uh, to give their testimony, you could have a show in three weeks. Mm. <laughs> I said, no way. He said, yeah. He said, what would you call it? I said, well, Leon and Friends. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's a great name. He said, okay, 
Um, I said, well, wait, 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 wait. I said, let me go talk to the Bible study people. I've never talked to them about any sort of business or giving out that they're saved or whatever like that. Maybe they don't want to talk about that right now at this point in their careers. You know, so I said, let me go and check with them first, and then I'll get back to you. So the next Thursday when everybody was together, that's what I, uh, I popped the question. And everybody unanimously said yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, only because I think the way that the show looked in those days um, had more of a Midwest sort of look. You know, if you you remember uh, uh, Paul and Jan, they, you know, Jan is kind of mm-hmm. a little uh, the eyelashes and you know yeah. the hair and stuff like this. Just more Midwest. Mm-hmm. And so I think our uh, L.A. group just didn't see how they would fit on something like that. Mm-hmm. But something that was more contemporary, cool. like a Leon and mm-hmm. Friends type of show, they felt like that was where they could really, uh, it looked like an Arsenio Hall kind mm-hmm. of set. So they could just go, oh, yeah, well, we can we can do this. And so all of them unanimously said, yeah. And so that's how Leon and Friends began. Oh, wow. I've got to look some of those up now. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's on their website. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um are you currently working on any new projects, any new recording projects, or are you uh, kind of not doing much right now? Well, um, six years ago, I decided to uh, retire, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, so I don't even know what that means because you really can't really retire. No. Retire. I, I don't see it in scripture anywhere. Yeah. But I figured I'd, I'd at least slow down yeah. from doing a hundred concerts a year to something more like ninety. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. That to me, that's retirement. Yeah. But anyway, so we decided to move to Nevada. We um, we kind of been visiting uh, time and time again, and so the housing market was great, and you know buffet on every corner. I said, yeah, that's the spot to retire. Mm-hmm. So um, mom and dad had foster kids in the home when I grew up, and uh, when I left Santana, I just naturally wanted to help in that area with foster kids, and so I worked with the organization for about 25 years. Um, <laughs> helping them she retired at the same time i was thinking about slowing down and, and moving away and so uh got to las vegas come to find they have the highest dropout rate in the whole country mm-hmm. is in vegas and so i just started throwing my arms around the kids here in the city uh public schools uh, charter schools private schools and and uh i take them over to a spot and we'd uh, i try to mentor them and show them how to do music and let some of them, the ones that were really good, uh, we'd have contests and stuff like that. And the ones that were good, I'd let them come on uh, and do concerts with me in the neighboring areas. <clears throat> and so that ended up turning into a whole other ministry on its own. In fact, yesterday, um, we just uh, did, uh, I just had another audition because mm-hmm. I'm going to do a show uh, on the Strip uh, here in Vegas. And uh, it'll be a spiritual show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think songs like I Believe I Can Fly mm-hmm. and uh, You Raise Me Up and uh, I, mean, I probably can throw in an old happy day, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. But it'll make a, kind of more of a inspiration, like a sky's yeah. type of uh, presentation. So I had an audition yesterday for kids from 8 to 18. And boy, they just showed up mm-hmm. and, and danced for me. They sang. They did all kind of things. It was just really interesting to see how much talent we have in this town. And so some of these kids will be chosen to uh, do the show uh, with me when it starts next uh, next year. Wow. Um, yeah. So we're that's kind of what's going on with us now. And uh, so I'm still. Uh, it seems like mostly the youth are kind of taking up this season of my life. Um, there's a friend of mine, um, 
up in uh, Eugene, Oregon, uh, that has a bunch of churches, uh, New Hope churches, and uh, he just opened up a college up there. His name is Wayne Cadero, mm -hmm. and uh, so he said, uh, "Hey, I got all these kids up here that want to do music, and uh, how would you like to come and help me out?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. I just uh, went up uh, a couple of weeks ago, spent about three or four days with his students there and uh, kind of helped with the music program. And so it's just fabulous to see you know, how God is using me now in this new era of, uh, of kind of passing the baton to the next generation. And then my son, Gabriel, uh, actually sings with a group called Toby Mac. I right, yes, yes. Up, the, up in your neighborhood. Yes. Uh, Anyway, he's uh, Gabe has been uh, with him since the beginning, and uh, he and uh, Ryan just did a song called "In the Eye of the Storm." Mm. Uh, it just became a huge hit. I mean, it was a huge last mm -hmm. year. And, uh, I don't know if you guys have have heard "The Eye of the Storm" up there, but uh, yeah. But anyway, it became a big deal here and, and across the country, and uh, so we're we're just uh, I'm just proud of everything that's happening with the youth, and I'm glad that. You know, somehow I can contribute to this next generation. Beautiful. Praise God. Um, we really enjoyed your tribute song to Billy Graham. We played it quite a bit. And I did a whole show on Billy Graham related uh, songs and, and quotes. Uh, tell us about um, your experience and involvement a little bit more with Billy Graham. Uh, well, actually, um, Welcome Home just jumped out of my heart, man. I just. It just was one of those, uh, I just couldn't believe he, I mean, I knew he was old, but I, yeah. <laughs> I, I just could never see him ever. Never, play. yeah. You know what I mean? just, he's just one of those cornerstones yeah. uh, that we have all kind of wrapped our, uh, our lives around, and it's just incredible to see how, um, you know, how much space he's left for us to fill. Mm -hmm. And um, but at the same time, I you know I wanted his family and uh, fans to know that uh, what he's experiencing is just beautiful. That they're as he's being invited into uh, his final resting place. My goodness, mm -hmm. it is heaven is is got to be all the things he's always told us it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, um, welcome home just jumped out of my heart to uh, as a tribute to him and. And mainly to his his family as well, but I just want everyone to know that he's uh, he got welcomed, and it wasn't like a uh, a sad day. When I heard about it, it was sad for me at that point. We had spent so many uh, years doing um, crusades across the country. He'd do he'd send me out ahead of him to uh, again. This is kind of a, a cute person mm -hmm. to to now, but he sent me out to uh, hang out with the youth and to get the youth rallied up mm -hmm. for his uh, crusades that were coming through town. Yeah. So he sent me out maybe six months ahead and we talk about Dr. Graham coming and I do my music and like that. And so uh, then sometimes in, on a break, I would be able to join him on the crusades. But uh, for the most part, that was kind of my, uh, my job in the organization was to just uh, rally up the youth uh, ahead of his coming. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, it just it was just um, like I said, the song was just a uh, came straight out of my heart, and I, I really believe it's going to help a lot of other people uh, be able to have that same sort of view of uh, their relatives when it's their time. So I hope you know many around the country will use that song for uh, a peaceful time for their lives as, as a home going for their loved ones. 
Amen. Amen. And I, I remember you, I'm pretty sure you came up here once before. Lee Green was up in Vancouver, and I'm pretty yep. sure you were here six months ahead of that. <laughs> that's probably one of the yep. few <laughs> times you were up here. So that is just awesome. Okay, I think that's the end of that. Awesome. Just thank you so much. Uh, just an honor you. and a privilege to be able to talk to you. Um, yeah, good. When you get it all cut yes. together... Uh, I will send you a copy, including music. It also eventually will go on a podcast with all the bloops and bleeps and my clearing my throat. We put it on there because we we can't put the music on a podcast, so it goes on there after we air it. But it'll be aired with full music as well, and I'll let you know when it's on. But I'll send you I'll send you a copy of it right away before it even airs, so you have it. So that's just awesome. Thanks so much, and uh, I just love you, love your music, and I've got to go find some more now. Okay. Okay. You have a great day, and God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.